for joining us as we hear an anointed word from Treasure Coast Victory Center. Hi, Matthew chapter 6. Are you there? Yes. I'll read a scripture everybody likes to pass over. Look at verse 24. No man or woman can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will hold to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve what? You cannot. Say cannot. Say, I cannot serve God and money. Now, how many know this is the word of God? And this is true. So I've got to wonder sometimes why probably 90% of the church is serving money rather than God. Hallelujah. Come on, it, it consumes more of our thought life than God does. It consumes more of our ways than God does. We show up for work on time every single time when we've got to punch in the clock because we don't want to lose a minute, but church, we can get to whenever we want to. I mean, I mean I'm just throwing some things out there today. I mean, Wednesday night we had uh, uh, Patrick once again teaches and preaches on finances, does a wonderful job. But at the end of each class, God instructed him a long time ago to give a dollar to everybody who came to the class. Then the next time, I think he gave $2, $2 to everyone. Then it was 5 and Wednesday night was 10 yeah. Hallelujah. Yeah. You know why some of you didn't get $10 Wednesday night? You were in the wrong place at the wrong time. You know why your finances are where they are right now? Because you've made a habit of being in the wrong place at the wrong time. You need to be in the right place at the right time, and it will help you, praise God. And it comes supernaturally. Say supernaturally. supernaturally. Say it comes supernaturally. supernaturally. So notice, as Patrick was teaching and giving away those $10 bills, God spoke to me Wednesday night, and he said, most of my people are really serving things and money more than they're serving me. He said, oh, but I hope them bring them into that place where they will put me first. How many know the Bible says, seek ye first the and his righteousness and all these things will be added unto you. He said, you're starting the kingdom series. If you put an ad in every newspaper in Port St. Lucie and Fort Pierce, you put it on every radio station here, you put it out to everybody and you put it out. He said, how many people do you think would show up Wednesday night? I said, probably about 20, maybe 25. And he said, now you go back in those newspapers and you put an ad in there and you put an ad on the radio and you say you're giving $1,000 away to everybody that walks through the door that night. He said, you won't have a church big enough. Come on. I'm just telling the truth, praise God. It's, oh, $1,000, we got to get there that night. We're going to be there. Oh, praise God, yes. We got to tell all my friends and all my neighbors and all everything else. We got to get there. So now my question to you, it's to you, same question to me, who are you serving? I mean, are we serving God or are we serving money? If it's money, don't get mad at me, just switch. I just pointed out to you what you're looking at. I mean, if God's not getting any attention and everything else has got to do with things and money and having this and having that, then you need to make an adjustment in your heart, say in my heart. If you make an adjustment in your heart, your head will follow. You can't make that adjustment in your head because you've been trained to do that. So as we give this morning, this is going to be a step towards you serving a new master. We're going to serve God this morning with our money, praise God, rather than serve money. Hallelujah. Father, we thank you this morning as we give. We thank you for the return that you promised us in Jesus' name. We thank you, Father, if anybody in here needs a heart change when it comes to money or you. I pray right now by the Spirit of God that you would just move on the inside of them. You'd change the way they think, the way that they see in their spiritual eyes, and would come to understand that all they need is to seek you first, and everything else will take care of itself. In Jesus' name, and everybody said? Amen. 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 Worthy of every song we could ever sing Worthy of all the praise we could ever bring 
Worthy of every breath we could ever breathe. We live for you. Oh, we live for you. Jesus, the name above every other name. Jesus, the only one who could ever save. Worthy of every breath we could ever breathe. We live for you. We live for you. Holy, there is no one like you. There is none beside you. Open up my eyes in wonder and show me who you are and fill me with your love and lead me in your love to those around me. Jesus, the name above every other name. Jesus, the only one who could ever save. Worthy of every breath we could ever breathe. We live for you. Oh, we live for you. Holy, there is no one like you. There is none beside you. Open up my eyes in wonder and show me who you are and fill me with your heart and lead me in your love to love around me. And I will build my life upon your love. It is a firm foundation. I will put my trust in you alone. And I will not be shaken. And I will build upon your love it is a firm foundation and I will put my trust in you alone and I will not be shaken holy there is no one like you there is none beside you Open up my eyes in wonder and show me who you are and fill me with your heart and lead me in your love to those around me. And I will build my life upon your love.
Hallelujah. <laughs> Good song, huh? Praise God. Hallelujah. I heard him sing it the other night. I thought, I'm staying out of the way. I'm going to ruin that one. Praise God. We'll let them go with it. Do whatever they want to do. Praise God. Hallelujah. That's good. Well, hallelujah. How are you doing this morning? Everybody doing good? Good to be back. Uh, people asked us how our vacation was. We really didn't have one. We basically went up to do a uh, wedding. Someone asked us to do a wedding up around Jacksonville, St. Augustine area. So we got another young couple off into the bliss of marriage. What's everybody laughing at? <laughs> Maybe it was the bliss part that got you. I don't know what it was. but <laughs> They did it outside. We just beat the weather by a little bit, which was good. And uh, it was a good time, praise God. I love marrying young people. It gives you an opportunity to talk to them beforehand, during, and after that you don't get to see very often. And uh, there's one thing I'm sure of. Usually when they ask me to do the wedding, they're not going to a church someplace. Because if they were, they would naturally ask the pastor of that church to do the wedding. So if they come to me basically and pull me out of the bullpen, <laughs> it's basically because they're probably not going to church. So, you know, we try to express, express what they should be doing that would help them, et cetera, et cetera. And, of course, they nod their heads, but... Hallelujah. That's the way it goes. Glory to God. All right, you got a Bible this morning? Go to Ephesians chapter 1. There are several things that I have been really desiring in my heart to share about the anointing of God. Things that go beyond just you have the anointing of God, but there's some things you can share as a pastor, and there's a certain time to share them. Do you know what I mean? Even Paul said, you know, I'd share more things with you, man, but you just can't get it right now, so I'm not going to waste my time and do it. So I'm going to share some things this morning, and we're going to just follow the Holy Ghost and see how deep or how far he wants to go. But there are things you need to know about the anointing of God, because it is really the most important thing in your life, whether you believe it or not, yeah. is up to you. But the Spirit of God on the inside of you and the anointing that God has given you to operate in is the most important thing in your life. If you're failing in every area of your life, you're not living in the anointing in that area. You cannot live in the anointing of God and stay in the anointing of God and live in defeat in any single area of your life. It doesn't work that way. So the anointing is important if you want to live in victory. Here in Ephesians chapter 1, look at verse 17. Paul's praying a prayer. How many know if he prayed it, it's probably a Holy Ghost prayer. Verse 17, he says that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give unto you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. The eyes of your understanding would be enlightened that you may know what is the hope of what? Say his calling. Notice, not your calling, not what you think your calling is, but he has a calling for each and every one of you. His calling. Say his calling. And notice, and what is the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints? Say inheritance. Now, how many of you are a saint? Come on, how many of you have been born again? You're in the kingdom of God, you're a saint. Notice, there's an inheritance that came to you when Jesus died and you became a person in the kingdom of God. There's an inheritance that belongs to you, not when you die and go to heaven, right now. It doesn't work when you die, it works when he died. How many know he already did it? Hallelujah. So that inheritance belongs to you. And one of those things that God gave you was the anointing of God. And that anointing is not only power, but it's an enablement that's in your life. Say, I have an enablement in my life right now, today. Now, I think 90% of the church has no idea. I mean, I go out and I talk to other people and say, how are you doing? Thank God for the anointing. And they think that somebody rubbed me with Vicks Vapor Rub or something on the end. They don't even understand what I'm talking about. They don't understand that the Spirit of God came to live on the inside of you when God declared you righteous when you got born again. And God is actually 
living on the inside of you today. Your goal is not heaven, as the church has taught you. Your goal is fulfilling God's plan and purpose here on the earth while you're here to extend his kingdom into this earth realm so more and more people enter the government of God or the kingdom of God. It doesn't have anything to do with you going to heaven. You already got born again. You walk through the door. You're in that kingdom, praise God. Your home country is heaven right now. You're a citizen of heaven, and that's it. Now what do we want to do? We want to fulfill our purpose for that we were put here for to do. And how am I going to do that? God tells me to do this. God tells how can I do that? You can do it by the anointing of God that resides on the inside of you that enables you to do anything that God ever wants you to do. Say, I have an anointing. Say, I really do. All right, look at the next verse. Verse 19. And he wants you to know what is the exceeding greatness of his power to us. Say, to us. Say it again, to us. Now, what does to us mean? It's to us, isn't it? The whole church is on their knees begging and waiting for God to rain down this spirit and power from heaven and screaming about let it rain and do this and let it do that. And he's saying, why don't you just get a clue of the power that I've already placed on the inside of you? Everybody in here this morning has the power and the ability to fulfill their call. Not only that, you've got the ability over the devil in every single area of your life. You've got ability to heal the sick, to cast out devils, to walk into things of God. It's already been placed on the inside of you. But if you don't know it's there, how many of you know you're not going to use it? It ain't going to work for you. But that anointing works when you start to realize that you have it. Notice one of Jesus' first sermons. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. He didn't say, we're praying for the Spirit to come. Send, send the Holy Ghost, Father. Please help us. No. And notice, he said, the Spirit of the Lord is where? He emphasized the Spirit of the Lord being where? Upon him. He said, hey, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me. Why? Because I can heal the brokenhearted. I can deliver the captives. I can do these things. Why? Because of the Spirit of the Lord is upon me. Now, you've been taught not to, not to claim any power, not claim anything in your life, which is a bunch of junk, which messed you up. Why would he give the anointing and then tell you not to operate in the anointing? Why do you have the anointing and then you need God to do everything in your life when he's already given you the power to do things in your life? So that anointing is already in our lives, and it is a dangerous thing for the enemy. Whether you know it or not, everybody says, well, the devil's after me. No, he's after your anointing. Well, he's after my faith. Yeah, get out of faith. You won't have to worry about the anointing. He's not after you. He's trying to shut you down. Why? Because you have ability and power that can destroy his kingdom person after person, region after region, city after city, nation after nation. But we're not using it because we don't know what's on the inside of us. He says, please get a revelation of the exceeding greatness of the power that's on the inside of you. All right, go to Matthew chapter 3. Don't get me all worked up this morning. All right, Matthew chapter 3, look at verse 13. Then came Jesus from Galilee to Jordan unto John to be baptized of him. But John forbade him, saying, I have need to be baptized of thee, and comest thou to me? And Jesus answering said, Suffer it for to be so for now, for thus it becomes us to fulfill all righteousness. Say righteousness. righteousness. And Jesus, when he was baptized, went up straightway out of the water, and lo, the heavens were opened unto him, and he saw a spirit of God descending like a dove and lighting upon him. And lo, a voice from heaven came, saying, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well, please. Cleo, give me that, will you? This. Give it to me. This. This is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Oh, it does it a lot better, don't it? 
Just got to get it so I can point to him when I need God to speak, and we do a lot better. Praise God with the things that are going on. <laughs> so notice, here's the baptism of Jesus. Jesus came. How many know Jesus really didn't have to be baptized into righteousness because he was already righteous? He already had the anointing on the inside, but he was doing it to show that righteousness was a key to getting the anointing in your life. How many of you got born again? When you got born again, at that time, all your sin was removed, all your shame was removed, all your condemnation and your guilt was removed, and at that time, you became righteous, so you could be the house of God on the inside of you, and the anointing of God would rest on the inside of you. Notice he said, this is my beloved son, and him I'm well pleased. Say son. Now, we all know, what does the son of God do? He goes around and does what? He destroys the works of the devil. How many of you are son and daughters of God this morning? Then you've got the same purpose. You need to go around destroying what? Now, how many of you think the devil's going to like that? I mean, no, he's not petitioning for that. He's not doing that. All right, look at the next verse. Verse 1, chapter 4. Then was Jesus led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted of the devil. And when he had fasted 40 days and 40 nights, he was afterward a hunger. And when the tempter came to him, he said, If thou be the Son of God, command these stones to be made what? Now notice this. Here's Jesus. He's had the anointing on the inside of him. He's lived a holy, he's lived a righteous life. All at once the Spirit of God comes upon him, and with that comes power. Say power. power. Say power. power. Power came upon him. But notice what happens right away. There's two things that happen when you start to operate in the anointing or want to. Number one, God will speak. God will start speaking to you. I mean, you won't be thinking or wondering whether he's speaking or not. When you're anointing, you know what he said. It's loud and clear. You know exactly he's telling you to do what he's not telling you to do. So God speaks. But notice number two, the devil challenges. Jesus was in the wilderness how many days? 40 days and how many nights? 40 days. And he only had one word from God after he got filled with the Holy Ghost. What was it? You are my beloved son. So now he's tempted 40 days in the wilderness. What do you think? Think real deep. That he might have been questioned and tempted on. Are you really the son of God? You can't be the son of God. You've been here 30 years and you haven't done a thing. You're certainly not the son of God. You can't be the... I believe the demons just came on him and one right after the other, one right after the other, one right after the other. How many know that happens to you? Same thing. I mean, it's the same thing that happened to Jesus. So it comes to me and I'm reading the scripture that says, go into all the world and preach the gospel. Woohoo! That's me. I'm going to preach the gospel everywhere. And I got quiet and said, you can't preach the gospel. Are you out of your mind? You never even read the Bible. You don't know nothing about nothing. I said, well, maybe I ain't called to preach. I don't know. And I go back to a meeting and the Holy Ghost and the anointing would be there and I'd hear, you're called to preach. I said, praise God, I'm called to preach. And I'd go home and get up Monday morning. You ain't called to preach. You can't preach. You ain't called to preach. So I had to make a decision, didn't I? Well, I knew it wasn't the devil calling me to preach. Come on, Revelation. It must have been God, because the devil's sure not trying to roust up Holy Ghost preachers in this day and hour. So I said, I'm going to preach. So praise God, I preached up a storm the first time left, and guess what happened? He attacked me on the backside. Do you believe that? He said, what you preached was garbage. That was the dumbest sermon anybody who's ever preached in their entire life. Nobody got anything. Let me tell you, if he does not get you on the one side... He will try to get you on the other side. And I'll tell you, if you search out these scriptures, you'll find for the first 40 days and 40 nights, it was, are you the son of God? Are you the son of God? Then the devil himself came here in chapter 4. And if you look at the literal translation, it says, since you are the son of God, turn these stones into bread. Notice, he couldn't get him on the front side. In other words, the demons went there and said, we've thrown everything we got at this guy. We've tried to talk him out of being the son of a God. We told him he was no good. We told him he was a loser. We told him he was guilty. We told him he was shameful. We know he was a sinner. He just wouldn't listen to us. So the devil said, well, we'll have to try a new tactic. 
We're going to go on the other side. So if you be the son of God. So what did he do? He just turned it around, didn't he? He just went for him on the other side. He went to tempt him in a different way. A little translation say, if you are the son of God, and you probably are. Another translation says, in view of the fact that you are the son of God with divine ability, turn these stones into bread. So what was he doing? He said, you got the anointing now. Please take that anointing that you're using and misuse it to short circuit or cut off the anointing of God. See, how many of you know preachers who came up, they preached on fire, they had people around them, they were excited, they were gone someplace, and pretty soon they switched from God to money, switched from God to giant buildings, switched from God to popularity, switched from God to, I, I am he, I am returning in the flesh. And you know what happened? Their whole ministry fell apart. What happened? The devil got them on the backside. So he comes on the back. So whatever he's calling you to do, you're going to be in a fight once you get there, basically, on both sides. He's going to question what you want to do. I mean, there's a time in, in the first service, one of the services I was in, where God gave me a word to prophesy. I knew it was here. My heart was beating. My, I was sweating. It was cold. You know, you're just, you just know something's going on, but then you, then you try to make sure nobody sees you. Nobody's really looking at you anyway, but you think everybody's looking at you. So there I am. You can't, you, can't give a, you can't give a word. You can't give a word. So finally, I said, I'm just going to do it. Stepped up said a couple words, just flowed out of my mouth, power for praise God, started hitting people, started moving. As soon as I sat, soon as I sat down in my seat, had the anointing still on me, still had the bumps. And all at once I heard, boy, was that stupid. Everybody in here thinks you are crazy. Why would you get up in a church service? You're not even a pastor here and you'd say something. What is the matter with you? What's he trying to do? Stop you from using the anointing of God that God has placed in your life. First of all, he's going to try to inhibit you. If that doesn't work, he's going to try to do something different. So he came to Jesus. He said, what? Jump. Jump and prove you're the son of God. Jesus says, I don't have to prove the son of God. It is written. Then he said, I'll tell you what you need to do. You need to, well, let's just read it. Look at verse 5. Then the devil takes him up to the holy city, set him on a pinnacle of the temple, and said unto him, If you be the Son of God, cast yourself down, for it is written, He shall give his angels charge concerning thee. Now notice, who's talking here? The devil's quoting scripture. Concerning thee, and in their hands they shall bear thee up, lest they dash their foot against the stone. Jesus says, It is written, Thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God. Again, the devil takes him up into exceeding high mountain, and shows him all the kingdoms of the world, and the glory of them, and said unto them, All these things will I give thee, if thou wilt fall down and worship me. And what does Jesus say? Get behind me, Satan, for it is what? Now notice, we just read over this stuff, and we don't understand. How many know Jesus was God, but he was also man? So could Jesus be tempted? Yes, he could, couldn't he? So now this was a big temptation here. He already knew from Scripture that he was going to have to go, be beat up, his beard plucked out, be beat to a pulp, be striped, go to the cross, get nailed to the cross, and he's doing it all to get the kingdoms of the world back for mankind. And the devil comes along and says, you don't have to go through all that stuff. You can just bow down and worship me, and I'll make you top dog under me over all the world here. How many of that was a temptation? What should you rather do, bow to the devil or go to the cross? I'm looking this way. <laughs> Come on, are you following me? We'd rather bow to the devil than do what God has told us to do. But notice there was an actual temptation there, and Jesus was actually tempted at the time. So what's the devil trying to do all the time? He is trying to stop that anointing in your life from working in your life. Because once you got the anointing of God, you're in good shape, praise God. Once you're living in that anointing, things are going to work out for you in your life. It's just the way that it goes, praise God. We've seen revivals. I mean, I've been in this now a little over 30 years. I've seen revivals break out. There was a revival up here, a revival in Canada. There's a revival over here. There's a revival in a lot of different places. But I notice every one of those revivals right now is dead. 
Why is that? Because it's going to take more in this last day for a little sprinkling of God to start a revival and people just running there to have a kindergarten experience in the anointing of God and in the Word of God because they're too lazy to press into the things of God and receive the inheritance that already belongs to them on this side. God doesn't want you. Jesus, God doesn't want you to just run to a revival here and get a touch there. He wants you to live in revival every single day of your life. He wants the anointing of God to operate in your life when you go to the grocery store, wherever you go. That enablement is always there to do something in your life. But most of us don't even know we got it. And the ones that do know we got it aren't using it because we don't believe in it. It's there. I'm telling you right now, it's there. And it will work in your life. If you give it an opportunity to work in your life, praise God, you're going to lay hands on somebody and be more shocked than them when they get healed one of these times. It's already there. It's not something you've got to beg for or plead for or want. It's already on the inside of you. And revivals continue to die. Why? Because everybody don't want to go any further. They don't want to put the effort into it. Come on. This stuff takes discipline. Oh, I just cussed, didn't I? I just cussed. It takes discipline. 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 It takes sitting under someone who has revelation in the Word to get more revelation in the Word. But I read my Bible at home. Well, good for you. But all you're getting is what you can possibly get, and most of that's probably wrong. Right. See what I mean? God has given gifts unto men. I'm sorry. He set up the program I didn't. And that's the way it's set up. And there's revelation that comes to people so they can break it down for you so that you can grow in the anointing and grow in the things of God. I'm looking for a church that grows up out of the natural things. And what you've got to be careful of is you're just starting to learn about the anointing, operate in the anointing, and basically the devil's been in this business a long time of short-circuiting the anointing in people's life. He is a professional at that stuff, praise God. Go to Ezekiel chapter 28. I'm going to show you some things this morning. Ezekiel chapter 28, are you there? Old Testament. All right, Ezekiel chapter 28, look at verse 12. It says, Son of man, take up the lamentation upon the king of Tyrus and say unto him, Thus says the Lord God, Thou sealest up the sum, full of wisdom and perfect in beauty. Now we're going to find out a little bit later on, but do you know who God's talking to here? Lucifer. He's talking to Lucifer here. And what does God say? Son of man, take up thy lamentation upon the king of Tyrus and say unto him, Thus says the Lord God, thou sealest up the sum, full of wisdom and perfect in beauty. You know what sealest up the sum means? You're it. You are it. You are one of the greatest creations I made, basically, in the angelic world whatsoever. You are it. You are the one. So he's talking about Lucifer. Say he's talking about Lucifer. Look at verse 13. Thou hast been in Eden, the garden of God. Every precious stone was thy covering, thy sardis, topaz, thy diamond, thy beryl, thy onyx, thy jasper, thy sapphire, thy emerald, thy carbuncle, a gold workmanship of thy laborts and of thy pipes was prepared in thee in the day that thou was created. Once again, who's he talking about? Lucifer, ain't he? He's talking about he was rich. He had every precious stone. He was created. Notice, not born. He was created. He had rank. He had a place. I believe he was probably in the music ministry. Come on, in heaven. That's what it says here. Talks about him worshiping. Look at verse 14. Thou art the what? The what? Who's it talking about? The devil? 
thou art the anointed cherub that cover us. Say cover us. Now, if you go to Hebrews, we won't go there, but if you go to Hebrews, you're going to find out that in the holiest of holies, up there, there were two angels who touched their wings together. They'd say, holy, 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 holy. I would have to believe since this talks about Lucifer being one of the greatest ones that he created, he would have been one of those in the holy, 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 holy. Are you following me? How many know he's lost his job? He's unemployed basically up there anymore, praise God, because it didn't work out for him. So what happened? He basically got kicked out of heaven. Glory to God. But notice he was anointed. Say anointed. Hallelujah. So Lucifer had a position in the holies of holies. He was one of the cherubim. He shat on the mercy seat saying, holy, 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 called the son of morning. He was called perfect. He was called anointed. Look at verse 15. Thou was perfect in thy ways from the day that thou was not born but created till iniquity was what? Found in him. Verse 16. By the multitude of thy merchandise or trafficking, they have filled the midst of thee with violence. Thou hast sinned, therefore I will cast thee out as profane out of the mountain of God, and I will destroy thee, O covering cherub, from the midst of the stones of thee. Now this is pretty interesting here, praise God. First of all, Lucifer's up there. He's perfect. Say he was perfect. Now he was perfect until iniquity was found where? In him. In him. Notice, he corrupted the things that God gave him basically by making them for his personal use and wanting more of those things than he really needed at that time. So basically, he corrupted them. Say, he corrupted them. So now notice, Satan didn't create anything. Some people think he can't. He can't create anything. He can just corrupt what God has already created. Are you following me? Instead of faith, he, he turned it aside, and now it's fear. God has a love. He turned it aside and made it a self-love or selfishness, basically. So what's he doing? He's just perverting everything that God created and God gave him. People come to me all the time and say, well, God, God created the devil. That's why we got all this trouble. No, God did not create the devil. He created an angelic being who was perfect, who was rich in all his ways, who was wonderful, who was everything. And what happened? Iniquity was then found in him. He made a boo-boo, didn't he? Yeah. All right, put your finger there. Go to Isaiah chapter 14. One of the first studies God ever had me do was on the devil. It's good to know who your enemy is and what he's going to do. Because then you're ready when he comes to do it. Okay, Isaiah chapter 14, are you there? Look at verse 12. How art thou fallen from heaven, O Lucifer... Son of the morning, thou art cut down to the ground, thou did weaken the nations. Verse 13. For you have said in your heart, I will ascend into heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will sit also upon the mount of the congregation in the sides of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will be like the most high. Do you see a problem there? Notice what he was doing. He was corrupting his anointing. His anointing was not to have him take God's place. His anointing was to be where he was at and do what he was supposed to do. Praise God. And notice, he's an expert because he already corrupted his anointing. He knows how to do it. And you've got to look at things differently in your life when you learn to love the anointing and, and, and desire the anointing and want to live in the anointing because many of the things that are coming into your life right now that are causing you to lose your peace and your joy and all these things, you've got to look at them as anointing suckers Rather than just that person, every time I get around them, I'm telling you what, they drive me nuts. Get off the person and start protecting your anointing of God that's on the inside of you. He knows who to bring around you. 
again and again. He knows what he's doing. Situation comes in your life and you want to get all perturbed. Think, I can't do that. I'm anointed and I'm protecting my anointing. I'm not going to let him corrupt this anointing that's on the inside. It's more than just not having a bad day. It's protecting what God has given you, which is the enablement for you to live in power in every single area of your life. He's after your anointing to short circuit the power of God that's in your life, and he'll do whatever he can to get you off in that area basically to do it. Praise God. So he says, I will, I will, I will, I will. Look at verse 15. So God's got a response. You shall be brought down to hell and to the sides of the pit. How many know we sing the song, I prophesy? How many know God prophesies? Yeah. All right, go back to Ezekiel 28. All right, Ezekiel chapter 28, let's go to verse 17. God says, Thy heart was lifted up because of thy beauty. Thou has corrupted thy wisdom by the reason of thy brightness. I will cast thee to the ground. I will lay thee before kings that they may behold thee. Verse 18, Thou has defiled thy sanctuaries by the multitude of thine iniquities and by the iniquity of thy trafficking or merchandising. Therefore will I bring forth a fire from the midst of thee. I shall devour thee and I will bring thee to ashes upon the earth in the sight of all them that behold thee. Hallelujah. Now I don't mind when somebody prophesies that over me, but when God does it, I mean, we better get pretty serious about what's going on there. But notice, he corrupted his wisdom. He defiled his sanctuary. Say his sanctuaries. Now, let, let me ask you, where were his sanctuaries at this time? They were in heaven, weren't they? His defilement went all the way up into the sanctuaries of heaven and caused corruption and defilement in, in portions of even heaven up there that were his sanctuaries, basically. He defiled his sanctuaries. How many know he took one-third of the angels with him, which are basically demons, Hallelujah. But he had access to heaven. How many know even after he did this, he still had access to heaven? Because you're reading the book of Job when the sons of God or the sons of man came to visit God, Satan was with them. Remember that? Lucifer could still go up there in his defiled sanctuaries, get up in front of God. And what did he say? He said, hey, this Job character, you bless him all the time. Good for him. But I tell you, you take his blessings away, he will curse you, praise God. And he says, the problem is you've got this hedge. Say hedge. You've got this hedge around him. I can't touch him. Hedge. Say hedge. What do you think? That hedge was that kept him from being touched by Satan. It's the anointing of God, praise God. Job had an anointing around them. The devil couldn't get to him. But he was also worrying about his sons and how they were going to be and if they were going to turn out. And the devil got in there somehow and he did it. But notice, the devil still after sinning had access to heaven itself. He was gone before God. Why was he gone there? Why was he gone before God? Does anybody know? Anybody know the scripture? To accuse the brethren daily. So he was going up to heaven every day and saying, hey, God, guess what? Your man's a worm. Your man's no good. Your man's sinned. Your man comes short of the glory of God. You can't put an anointing on him because he's unrighteous right now, and he's got to be righteous in order for you to do that. You can't do it. You can't do it. Your man's lost. I got control of your loss. It's not going to work. What's he doing? Accusing the brethren every single day. How many know at that time men was guilty? They didn't have to be accused because they were simply guilty at the time, praise God. So what's God going to do? He makes a prediction. And it's not a good one again, is it? Now, let me ask you one more thing. What was the main reason why Satan fell here? What is it? You've been taught pride, but it's not. Notice, 
It's talking about trafficking. It's talking about merchandising. In other words, he got corrupted in his business first because he had the love not of money but of wealth, which is the same thing, because the root of all evil is it's not pride, is it? It's, so it's love of money. So, so that's why God says, you're going to love me, you're going to love money. Why? Because those are the two big issues that we talked about earlier. So what's he saying here? He's saying by his merchandising. In other words, he couldn't get enough stuff. He couldn't have enough stuff. He had everything that he needed. He was going after it. He was raising himself up even. And what happened at that time? Basically, he got in a bad spot. All right, go to Hebrews chapter 9. Hebrews 9. That's all right. All right, Hebrews chapter 9, look at verse 6. Now, when these things were thus ordained, the priest went always into the first tabernacle, accomplishing the service of God. But into the second went the high priest alone once every year, not without blood, which he offered for himself and for the heirs of the people. The Holy Ghost was signifying that the way into the holiest of all was not yet made manifest, while as the first tabernacle was yet standing which was a figure for the time then present in which we were offered both gifts and sacrifices that could not make him that did the service perfect as pertaining to the conscience. So notice he's talking about access to the presence of God or access to the anointing. Say the anointing. In the Old Testament, what did they do? The high priest went in one time a year. He took the blood of what? bulls and goats and animals, didn't he? He went in there. And it says here, that was the Holy Ghost signifying, basically, the high priest with blood. It was a type and shadow down here of what was going to happen up there. Are you following me? So he took the blood of animals. He spread it out. So Jesus died. He was made sin. And through that, we were made righteousness. He came to fulfill all righteousness. So Jesus did the same thing when he died with his blood. He went up into the real sanctuaries up there. Are you following me? And he sprinkled the blood on everything that Moses sprinkled the blood on down here, which was a type and shadow of what was going on up there. That's why when he was raised from the dead, the two women came to him and he said, go, don't touch me. Don't touch me. I'm purified now. Let me go up and sprinkle the blood that hasn't been contaminated yet up there because it needs to be done what the type and shadow was being done down here by the blood. Praise God. Now, we learned in an earlier several weeks back what always follows the blood. The anointing. Thank you. Who's ever did that? Praise God for you. Thank you. The anointing. The anointing always follows what the blood has provided. Are you following me? I mean, they put it on their doorpost when the death angel came along. He came there. Guess what happened? Couldn't go in there. Why? Because the anointing had followed the blood on their doorpost, and he couldn't get in there because they had a hedge around him that was keeping them from doing it. So the anointing always follows the blood. So here's blood, animal sacrifices. They're sprinkling. He's got to go in there once a year. How many know he's got to go the next year? And he's got to go the next year. And not only, not only for the people, but for himself, because he's out there sinning the same way. He's just a high priest. All right, look at verse 11. But Christ, thank God, being come a high priest of good things to come by a greater and more perfect tabernacle, not made with hands, that is to say, not of this building, neither by the blood of goats and calves, but with his own blood he entered in once into the holy place, having obtained eternal redemption for us. For if the blood of bulls and goats and the ashes of the heifer sprinkling of the unclean sanctifies to the purifying of the flesh... 
how much more shall the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself without spot to God, purge your conscience from dead works to serve the living God? Hallelujah. So what's he talking about? He said, this is the Old Testament. This is the way they did it. They sprinkled the blood there. He did it on the sanctuaries. He did it every place. But now Christ himself is going to come. And when he comes, this blood that he has is going to obtain something. Say, obtain something. Now, what did it obtain? It obtained an eternal redemption for you. Your redemption is already obtained. It's already been given to you. It's part of your inheritance. You've been redeemed from all that stuff. You've already been set free. So what does God do then? He says, between the Old Testament and the New Testament, Jesus is prophesying to the devil. He says, guess what's going to happen to you, brother? I'm going to kick you out. I'm going to get rid of you once and for all. I'm going to take care of you. I'm going to get you out. And what's the devil doing this whole time? They're sinners. They're terrible. You can't anoint them. You can't do nothing with them. They're your sons and daughters, but they ain't doing any good. It's never going to work for you. Go to John chapter 12. John chapter 12, look at verse 30. These scriptures will make sense to you now. Jesus answered and said, This voice came not because of me, but for your sakes. Now is the judgment of this world. Now shall the prince of this world be cast out. And I, if I am lifted up from the earth, will draw all men unto me. What's he doing? He's making a prediction. What's coming when I go to the cross? The prince of this world will be cast out. In other words, I can see it happening. It's going to happen. Where is he going to be cast out of? Where is Satan going to be cast out of? Where? Heaven. He's still in the earth. He was going to be cast out of heaven once and for all, so he couldn't get back up in there anymore. Jesus said, I see they're going to be cast out. Go to Luke chapter 10. This is a version I like here. This is good. Okay, Luke chapter 10, look at verse 17. And the 70 returned again with joy, saying, Lord, even the devils are subject unto us through thy name. And he said unto them, I beheld Satan as lightning fall from heaven. Hallelujah. 26 translation says, I've had visions of Satan falling like lightning from heaven. Jesus tells his disciples, the prince of this world is going to be cast out. And the prince of this world I see falling from heaven. Until now, Satan has access to heaven. Satan can go to heaven. Satan can accuse God of, of everything everybody's doing wrong, of what man's doing wrong. Man is guilty. Man is condemned. Man is down and out. Man is like a worm. All right, go to Hebrews chapter 9. All right, Hebrews chapter 9, look at verse 19. For when Moses had spoken every precept to all the people according to the law, he took the blood of calves and goats with water and scarlet wool, hyssop, and sprinkled both the book and all who? The people, saying, This is the blood of the testament which God has enjoined unto you. Moreover, he sprinkled with blood both the tabernacle and all the vessels of the ministry. And almost all things on the law are purged with 
blood, and without the shedding of blood, there is no. And it was therefore necessary that the patterns of things in the heavens should be purified with these, but the heavenly things themselves with better sacrifices than these. For Christ not entered into the holy place made with hands which are figures of the true, but into heaven itself now to appear in the presence of God. So here it talks about once again, Christ enters in. He's going to enter in a type and a shadow. Moses sprinkled blood on the book, sprinkled blood on the mercy seat, sprinkled blood on the people, say the people. What was that? That was a type and shadow of the Old Testament of what Christ was going to do with his blood. He comes and he sprinkles it on the tabernacle, sprinkles it on the book so that book could become alive in you and sprinkled it on you. Why did he sprinkle it upon you? So that you could be made righteousness of God in Christ and hold the anointing of God on the inside of you. But he also said what? I see visions of Satan falling like lightning from the sky. He said, I can see it. Oh, my God, I can see it coming. You talk about a vision, it must have excited him. Ooh, this is the day. So Jesus goes up into heaven, and he sprinkles the blood up there. And as he sprinkles the blood, what follows the blood? Oh, so the anointing started to invade those sanctuaries that the devil had corrupted. And when it went in there, it removed all corruption. So the place where the father can't even smell the devil coming close to him anymore, he cannot get back in there to accuse you to God anymore. Some of you are so guilty 99% of the time, it's unbelievable. You do something for God, you're guilty. You don't do it for God, you're guilty. You do it and don't do it, and you're still guilty in a thing. Why? Because the devil's still doing the same tactic as he did before. He's trying to accuse you for God. He can't get up there anymore. The blood has already been sprinkled. He can't even get up into heaven to God. He's stuck in hell and the earth right now. He can't even get there. It's all been purified up there by the blood of our Lord Jesus Christ. He can't get up there and accuse you anymore. So you know who he accuses you to? You. You. A little voice. You did this. You did that. You did this. You did that. And then you get guilty. And then your anointing goes all the way down, and you couldn't lay hands on anybody. You're just about as depressed as you can possibly get, and you can't do nothing anyway. What's he trying to do? Kill your anointing. Yeah. Try to keep it back from you operating the thing. But the blood's already been sprinkled up there. It's already been shed up there. It's already been taken up there. He can't get in there anymore. Can't be done. The anointing has filled those sanctuaries again. They've gone to that place. He's stuck down here, but he's got a problem because Jesus left, and he's left all these people behind. With the same anointing, the same righteousness, the same power. So all he can do is lie. Say he's lying. How many know he's a liar? Yes. How many know he's been lying to you? Yes. You can't do nothing. You can't do this. You can't do that. On and on and on and on. The only person he can accuse is you. Whenever you get accused and it's not conviction in your spirit and it's accusing come through your head, you need to just tell him to get out of there and shut up. Praise God. Hallelujah. All right, go to Revelations 12. I'll show you. I'm telling you the truth. All right, Revelations chapter 12, are you there? Yeah. Look at verse 7. And there was war in heaven. Michael and his angels fought against the dragon, and the dragon fought and his angels, and prevailed not. Now notice this verse. Neither was their place found anymore, where? In heaven. He can't get back up in there anymore. He's been shut out. And the great dragon was cast. How I many know there was a prediction of that? The old serpent called the devil and Satan, which deceived the whole world, for he was cast out into the earth, and his angels were cast out with him. And I heard a loud voice saying in heaven, Now has come salvation, strength, 
the kingdom of God and the power of his Christ. For the accuser of our brethren has been cast down, which accused them before God. How often? And now they overcame him by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony. And they loved not their lives unto themselves. Praise God. So what happened here? All this has taken place. Satan has been thrown out. The only thing Satan can deal with now is you. Say with me. God's not listening to anything he has to say anymore. He's not doing it, but he can still come to your mind and tell you you're guilty, tell you that you're no good, tell you you're a sinner, tell you you got no power, tell you you're a failure, tell you you can't do all these things. He will get you to emphasize the things of this world and your problems more than emphasize the anointing of God that's on the inside of you. But notice, you have got to start deflecting those thoughts and understand where they're coming from. They're not coming from him. You overcome him by the blood of the lamb. How many know that's dead? But now notice, and the word of what? Word of your testimony. Word of your testimony. What cometh out your mouth all the time? Are you defiling your own sanctuary? I'm no good. Nobody likes me. It's never going to work for me. Nobody cares about me. I can't do nothing. God don't love me anymore. All these things are coming. And you take them and you put them in your mouth. You'll defile your own sanctuary, praise God, with your tongue. The Bible says it in James chapter 3. So you've got to sort these thoughts out and understand where they're coming from. And religion teaches you that if you do a bunch of good things, you'll become righteous. How many know there's a no anointing in that? You can't do it. You can't get anointed. He said he purged your conscience from dead works. Say dead works. What are dead works? You trying to obtain the things that Jesus already provided for you in your own effort. You're like the devil. I will become righteous. I will become holy. I will become powerful. No, you won't. You already are if you're born again and you don't know it. And if you do it, how are you going to do it? If Jesus' sacrifice was not enough, then how are you going to do it? You're going to have to do something in your own power, aren't you, to do it? And then when you do it, you can say, I'm anointed. Why? Because I got that way. I was such a good little boy that God gave me a little bit of anointing. No, everything that you got is by him, praise God. It's by the blood. You are righteous by the blood. You are anointed by the blood, the power of God. Now, now, This is a good part. Why does the devil hate you so much? Because everything that he claimed, I will be like God. I will sit with God. I will be powerful. I will be righteous. I will own all this stuff. And God comes along and freely gives it to his own kids. You believe that? Just hands it to them. Says, I paid for it. What are they going to do to get nothing? they got to do is come into the kingdom of God and it all belongs to them. How many know devil hates that? Come on, you hate it when you're looking at something you want to buy and somebody else buys it. Why did they get that? Where did they get their money to get that? I wanted that dress, bless God, and somebody else got that dress before me and I just don't think it's right. But this is bigger than the dress. How many of you know that? This is the anointing of God, the relation of God, the relationship, the power, the glory with God has been freely given to you so he doesn't like it very well. And the only thing he can do is corrupt the anointing that God has placed in your life. Either not get you to understand it's there. I mean, it's terrible not to have the anointing. Don't you agree to that? It'd be terrible not to be born again and not even have an anointing and you're trying to live in this earth around the way that. I mean, that's, but it's even just as bad to have it and never do anything with it. That's just as bad. And the whole church is being like that right now. Life, they don't have nothing. Nothing's going right for them. It ain't going to work for them. Oh, yeah, it's going to work. When you find out what you have and you believe the power that's been given to you and you start using it and you start walking with it and you start learning it is written, you better learn it is written, praise God. Even Jesus in that one verse we read said there was an audible voice there, but it wasn't for him. He don't need an audible voice to believe the Father. He's already got it written down in the Word. That was for the people because they can't believe unless they hear a word, unless they hear Cleo say, this is God talking to you. 
But no, it's right here on the inside of you, and the word of God will pop up, and it will be there. Praise God. It is written. It is written. The devil comes along and says, you're a worm. Say, no, I'm filled with the power of God. Bless God. Hallelujah. Glory to God. So what are we doing? We're getting rid of guilt and condemnation. If you've got guilt and condemnation, it's from the devil. If you've got conviction, repent. And he's faithful and just to forgive you your sins and cleanse you from all unrighteousness. Why? So you can walk right back into that anointing of God and allow the power of God on the inside of you to start operating in your life. Recognize that you have an enemy to this anointing. If the anointing became as precious to you as it is to him, you'd be getting someplace. He respects the anointing. He's afraid of the anointing. He's terrified of the anointing. And we're just walking around and saying, yeah. We got the Holy Ghost, Holy Ghost, Holy Ghost. No, you've got power and ability on the inside of you. And once again, we've been talking about there is a group of people who are going to rise up, I'm telling you right now, who are going to get understanding of what's on the inside of them. And I'll tell you what, most of the church ain't going to like them. If you're looking for a popularity contest, you're in the wrong business. It's not going to work. They're not going to put up with it. Number one, it's going to, it's going to click on the inside of them that they know that they could be doing that, but they're not. Because once you see it done, you say, well, I should be able to do that. And you're right. Yes. And then the devil will come along. Well, he's a pastor. Well, he's been in the church for 40 years. Well, he, sometimes this works better with brand new Christians. Because yeah. they haven't had their minds corrupted. Well, I'm not going to go there this morning because we're going to get in big trouble there, praise God. But really, whatever you hear, you believe. Let's face it. And if you've been hearing a bunch of junk, it's you're a sinner, you can't do anything, you've got no power your whole life, then you're going to live that way. And you're going to die and go to heaven. Once again, the greatest tragedy in life is not death. It's living your life without a purpose. Yeah. And you're in, how many are in your life right now? Okay, half of you. Praise God. We'll have a funeral. We'll have a funeral for the other half. Glory to God. That'll work out good. Glory to God. Jesus, how many of you are alive? Am I alive? I am. Praise God. I had a witness. Glory to God. But there's stuff for you to do, praise God. And good news this morning, you've got the ability to do it. You've got the anointing. But you're going to have to watch and protect that anointing. Somebody coming after that thing at your workplace tomorrow. Somebody, somebody there. They're going to be there. Somebody driving down the road today. As you go down the road, they're going to be there. There'll be an anointing, anointing sucker right there waiting to get it, praise God. But praise God, you've got an anointing. Just walk in that thing. Continue to walk in the light as he is in the light. Hallelujah. All right, jump up this morning. Oh, I think I enjoyed that. Yes. Yes, sir, can I help you? Well, you come give that word then. Let me see if I can. Wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Can I do the handheld, please? All right. So it's kind of what uh, Pastor Tom was already talking about. We're going to be talking about spirits today. So if you go here, Genesis here it talks about the beginning god said let there be light and there was light he said uh god called the god called the vault sky and there was evening and there was morning and the second day so basically what this is all talking about is he did not say oh well i'm just gonna make evil spirits no he didn't that was the devil a lot of people get confused because they're like God, why do you do this to me? It's all your fault, blah, blah, blah. When it wasn't. It was, it was not his fault. It was, if you look, you can look. Genesis chapter 1, verse 3 to verse 29. He talks about it. He did not make anything saying, I'm going to make evil spirits. He made good spirits. That's inside of us. When we were born, we knew about God. 
And a lot of people, you're like, that's not true. Well, when you learn about God, you're like, wait a minute. I know I, I got this. You get this feeling like I've seen him before. I know about him. So you go all the way over here to Psalms. And then you go to Psalms chapter 37. It talks about in times of disaster, they will not wither. And day for main, they will enjoy plenty. But the wicked will perish. Though, God, though the Lord's enemies are like flowers on the field, they will be consumed. They will go up into smoke. Does God, did God say anything about that? Did, did, I want you guys to answer this. Did God say, did, did he say, I'm going to make this? Did he say the wicked will perish? Yes. But did he say, I'm going to put this into someone? No. 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 That's the devil. That's the spirits. That's the evil spirits. People get confused all the time. They're like, well, God, why did you do this to me? But that's the devil. That is the devil, everyone. You have to understand that. Look, you can keep going. I'll go here to Timothy chapter 2, verse 22. Flee the evil desires of youth and the pure righteousness, faith, love, and peace. Along those who call on the Lord out of a pure heart. Pure heart. He gave everyone a pure heart. He gave everyone a chance. But you have to understand Amen. that the devil is going to come for you because he doesn't want it. He wants you to come with him to hell. But you have to be like, no, I'm not going to let that happen. You're an evil spirit. I'm not going to let you do that to me. That's, that's the point of having a pure heart. You have to be like, well, what are you here for? I don't, I don't even know you. Like, get out of my face. Because you have the Bible right here. This is what, this is what it basically talks about. This, it talks about everywhere. He's saying, you have to understand. Things are going to happen. The devil is going to come for you. But you have to be ready. That's why you learn about the... The armor of God, because he talks about, he talks about saying, basically saying, you need everything. You need him. You need Jesus. You need the Holy Spirit. You need the armor, because if you don't have the armor, you can easily just read the Bible and say, okay, I'm done. But then you don't have the armor, and you're going to be like, wait a minute, something's missing. Yeah. Like, why am I not going to heaven? Because... The evil spirits are coming for you. And, and then you blame that on God. And you're like, God, it's all your fault. But it's not. You have to understand just because you read the Bible doesn't mean that's it. You have to understand that you have to do what the Bible says to do. And if you don't, it's going to tell you what's going to happen if you don't. It's going to tell you the, consequ the consequences of it. So basically what Pastor Ton was talking about is he saying, you need these spirits. If you don't have it, this is what's going to happen to you. You're going to be jealous. You're going to be like, why do all these other people have it and I don't? You're going to be like, and you're going to be like, oh, this isn't fair. But you have to understand that just because you read the Bible doesn't mean that you're done. It doesn't stop there. It does not stop there. You have to keep going. You have to do what the Bible tells you to do. 
like in the beginning, he said to you, he said what he made. He said, I made the sky, I made the sun, I made everything, but I didn't make evil spirits for you. I wanted you to live in peace. And that's basically all I have to say because it's the truth. Hallelujah. Just just a quick word. Hear the word he speaks, not the cuteness of him. See what I mean? Because the words will go by. Oh, isn't he so cute? Oh, look at him go. Let's look at pastor, see if he likes it. Let's do that. No, no. The same Holy Ghost in me is the same Holy Ghost in him. And you need to judge the words, not the age or anything else. Okay? All right. Everybody with me on that? Good. Thank you very much. Lift your hands this morning. Father, we thank you for your spirit this morning. We thank you for the revelation of your word this morning and the power of God that's in this place, Father. Thank you for raising up the young ones, the old ones, the middle-aged ones, the all of them, Lord, in your kingdom and in your word. Let that word become so hot on the inside that they've got to speak it out into your people in Jesus' name. And we thank you for what you're doing in our lives. And we just thank you for all that you are and do in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. For listening. For more from Treasure Coast Victory Center, visit us at mytcbc.com.